0: to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. So today we're starting a brand new series, and I've been excited about this series, but I've also been kind of cautious in my mind about this series. Um, I want to do my best to not be too aggressive in this series. Okay, I don't want to be too aggressive. Um, But I do want to warn you, that anytime you experience real change in your life, it typically comes after tough conversations. Mm-hmm. After, let's get real moments. Yeah. It comes after hardship. It comes after discipline sometimes. Yeah. Come on parents, yeah. don't you want your kid to make a change after you spank that booty? Come on somebody. Yeah. In, in natural life, there are stages of growth and development. But in spiritual life, there are stages of growth, growth and development as well. And um, the Apostle John talks about this in 1 John uh, chapter 2. And I'm going to read these two verses to you. It says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know who, him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. What exactly do we see here? Okay, we see little children, we see young men, and we see fathers. Now, Do not let gender get you all caught up here. Well, that's not talking about mom, so I'm going to turn off today. No, it's not about gender. It's about stages. Okay? Little children, young men, fathers. So let's start with the fathers. Let's start with the fathers. Um, I wrote this book, Killing the Orphan Spirit. If you don't have a copy of this, you need to get one. If you don't have money to pay for it, I don't care. Just get a copy of it. You need it. It's going to change your whole life. We had somebody buy a whole bunch of copies just to give out for free. So if you don't have this, you need to get this. But in here, I write, you cannot be a father without first being a son. You can't. Now, here's the problem, is that we have a pandemic of people expecting to skip stages in their relationship with God. You want to jump stages. But here's the problem, okay, is is that like, for instance, we look at a doctor, we we realize they've spent ten years and post-high school graduate education just to get to the basic level of doctor, okay? Just a general practitioner 10 years after you graduate high school, okay? We don't question that, not even for a second. In fact, we justify their fees in a large part because of that. Well, they went to school for a long time, so they need this money. Yet, Yet, when we look at our Christian lives, we don't comprehend the fact that a 10-year process with God actually takes 10 years. Yeah. If you think about it, the only person who cannot comprehend the concept of a 10-year process taking 10 years is a child. They have no concept of time. In fact, I was at lunch with Audrey this past week, and we were, I was telling her we we're going to go to Palo Duro Canyon this summer for vacation. And she said, well, how long before summer? Um, so I said, hey, Audrey, how long is it before summer break? And she says, quote, 10,000,000,000 years. The sun will have expired by then. And so will daddy. I didn't say that. I didn't want to bring the lunch down, you know. But listen to me. When you, when you skip stages, you skip the development that happens in those stages. Come on, y'all cannot overlook that. I know we want to grow up. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Come on, where are my old people at? A million Toys R Us that I can play with. Okay, stop. We Toys R Us ain't even in session anymore, so let's let's keep moving. But listen, you skip the development. And let me tell you something that will scare you to death is being in stage two, having not learned what you need to learn in stage one. That ought to terrify you. And you might feel crushed right now in your life because you are trying to live a higher stage than your learning has allowed others understand the process and the time it takes to complete the process because they've endured the process and have seen the benefits of the process this is something me and my dad used to butt heads about when I was a teenager I would tell dad I wanted to do some grand idea and he would tell me all the things that are going to keep me from doing it and I would hear that and say what a jerk man like just blow some hot air into my balloon for a second will you buddy you know what my dad was doing he was saying boy I'm trying to help you not fail A father understands that because the father has gone through the process. But a knucklehead teenager with big dreams doesn't comprehend that yet. Come on, y'all got to get this. This is what John says to the fathers. You've known him who's from the beginning. Fathers are people who know God because they've been in a relationship with God. They've endured and grown and learned and failed and gotten back up. They've won and lost And they've laughed and they've cried. They've been hurt. They've been broken. But they've also experienced joy and they've been restored. They have experienced these and fathers know the process. And in the process, they know the one who is from the beginning, the father. They've also realized in the process that the father was always there, even if they couldn't see him. That's not a lesson a child understands. That's why when you drop your kids off to kids ministry today, they kicked and screamed, they think you're going to leave them in there forever. Not really. But somebody who's gone through and has come to the other side understands this. If you want to develop into fatherhood, into maturity, you have to go through the stages of spiritual development. By the way, why does God want you to get to spiritual development? Why is he so adamant to get you to a level of fatherhood and motherhood? It's because fathers and mothers produce children. And God is wanting you not to just consume, but to be a producer in the kingdom. Somebody may not even have thought about that in this room right now. And and as I'm thinking about it, you may have never considered yourself a producer because you've been scrounging to get by for so long that you think life is just having enough. Hear me right now. There's more to your life than you just having enough. God wants you to live in excess so that you can be a blessing to others. It's not so that you can hoard more to yourself, but so you can get to a place where I have all my needs covered. Now I'm going to enter into fathering, into parenting role where I'm helping meet the needs of other people. Next is young men. Young men. The Bible says you have overcome the evil one. In the stage of life between childhood and adulthood, Is a time of development, exploration, finding identity, discovering who you are. And there's absolutely no doubt why Satan is so adamant to attack the 18 to 28 age group. It's because he knows this. If he can ensnare you in your identity issues and in some developmental problems, he can stop you before you ever become a threat. Beyond just overcoming spiritual issues, you have the culture around us that tells us labels that try to identify us. Republican, Democrat, black, white, Hispanic, male, female, apparently these days there's other options, like whatever. Gay, straight, conservative, liberal, Texan, and everybody else. I mean, whatever the label is, whatever the label is. I mean, can you imagine St. Peter's would be like, oh, Jesus, we got another one of them Texan Christians out here again. Yes, we know you were a country before you were a state. Shut up. But listen, guys, I know who I am. Okay, I know who I am. I'm not a white, like, cis male Christian conservative. That's not who I am. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And, and when labels become your identifiers, you've engaged in idolatry. And what you've done is you've placed a cultural marker over a spiritual calling. You have. And let me tell you, it goes beyond just Republican and Democrat. What about abused? I'm an abused Christian. I'm a broken person. No, you're a person. If you believe in Jesus Christ and you've you've made him Lord of your life, you're a Christian. Other, other identifiers may identify things that have happened to you, but they don't have to identify who you are. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Interestingly enough, children are the ones that think in labels. They don't call an 18-wheeler an 18-wheeler. They call it a big truck. And we talk to our kids using labels because they cannot understand the intricacy of what separates a truck from an 18-wheeler. But it's the same with these labels that our culture is trying to identify us with. But God is calling us to a deeper level, a more mature level, a place where we grow up, where we understand that we are not a label first, but we're a follower of Jesus Christ first. We're sons and daughters first. That we have the spiritual maturity to understand the intricacies of both what the culture is trying to tell us versus who God says we are. You're not what you are because of somebody's love for you or because of what somebody says about you. You are who you are because of what he says about you. And until you get that in your mind, you will never experience the beauty of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, I know Jesus. I made him Lord of my life. But have you made him Lord of your identifiers, of your cultural identifiers? It's lordship, man. Jesus is all or nothing. I'm telling you, I have never been one of those people that's like, i tell you what, Jesus, coming soon, you better get your life together. I've always thought, man, there's so much that's got to happen. But my goodness, with with the petrodollar tanking this past week and the the prospect of our American dollar becoming as worthless as the Venezuelan dollar, y'all, controlling, buying, and selling, that's what the Bible talks about. I'm not saying it's tomorrow, but here's what I am telling you. You better get your life right. You better get off the fence and get real about Jesus. Well, Jesus can have my Sundays. He better have your every day or you're going to find that you're not going to get the eternity that he has for you. Too many Christians are living spiritually immature lives because they have embraced a label as their identity rather than the word of their father about them. God, help us. God, forgive me for looking at somebody's identity or somebody's identifier of me over what you say about me. Why is Satan so against this age group? Why is he exploiting them so much? Because this is where you overcome the evil one. This is where. John says it right here in the verse. Now listen, God does not have grandchildren. As much as you love your grandbaby, that grandbaby had better have a relationship with him. Okay? There has to come a point in your life where you go from being a child to an adult, where you stop feeding on the faith of your mom and dad, and you begin eating from the relationship of God that you have, that you've embraced, that you've developed on your own. Mama's relationship with God will not get you into heaven. Okay? I don't care how your grandmommy did it, how your grandpappy did it. You better have a relationship with Jesus on your own. If you don't know him personally, then you're going to live without him for eternity. This is a time where you have to experience God on your own. So you teenagers that are in the room, listen up to me. You 18 to 28 that are in the room right now, you better get a relationship with Jesus with God on your own, in your own terms, your personal relationship with Jesus. I know your mama loves you, but you cannot ride her coattails into the kingdom. No, parents, let me talk to you for a second. Your main role is not to provide for your children. So many parents live this life and their kids have everything they need, but their soul is empty. Parents, your job is to point your kids to God. It's not to lord your relationship with God over them, but it's to invite them in to see the beauty of what it means to love Jesus and be loved by him. This is hard because it requires you to have endured the process, parents. It requires you to have embraced Jesus for yourself and made him lord of your life. And that you have to be living it in front of your children. Well, that's hard, isn't it? Because these little kids can push a button, Jesus. Your children know every button. Your children know buttons you ain't even know you had. You hear what I'm saying? (laughs) So what does this mean? Does this mean we have to be perfect? Mm I heard a friend of mine one time tell me something that changed me a lot. He said, I'm not expecting you to be perfect. Just be one step better than you were yesterday fail fail but but let your kids see your restoration mess up but let your kids see what grace and forgiveness look like something that i fear a lot is because i struggle with anger personally i can easily get frustrated i fear sometimes that i'm making my kids believe that god is an angry person that cuts me to the core But I have to get to a place in my relationship with Jesus where I understand that I make mistakes, but I need to be getting better. My kids make mistakes, but they need to be getting better too. Now, that doesn't mean they can do the same thing 15 times. Like, you're not gonna hit your brother 15 times and everything's gonna be okay. (coughs) I said this before last year. Your kid better be able to call out to heaven better than they can hit a baseball. Listen to me. Their time as a star athlete will end. Even Derek Jeter put down his jersey. God help me. I'm, I'm still hurting from it. It's okay, Jesus. I know that you are the only jersey I'm after, Jesus, but Derek was really good at baseball, God. Um, but you know what? Their time as a baseball player will end, but their spirit is eternal. Pickles you one's more important. Young men, this is where our relationship with God goes from dependency on our spiritual examples like parents, to our own dependency on God. This is the process of spiritual maturity, guys. So, <clears throat> I realize you might not be physically at the stage of 18 to 28, but they may, may very well still be in the young stage, in the young men spiritual stage. So I want you to listen up. There's a reason why people hate this stage the most, okay? This is the stage where you have to take responsibility for you. Yeah. Okay? Your thoughts, your allegiances... Your actions, your beliefs, (coughs) your spiritual well-being, your correction. I remember the last time my mom spanked me. She used a flask water (laughs) and I laughed at her. Partially too, because moms, when they spank, they go, don't you do that again, never, never. So I was like, "Go quit, quit, out, out, quit. I was laughing. And then she says, wait until your dad gets home. This is the fear portion of my development process. (laughs) But you know what the truth is? I was too old to be making the mistake I was making. I didn't self-correct. I should have been able to self-correct at that time. But you listen to me, family. If you don't learn how to discipline yourself in this stage of life, God will. And if you keep refusing to change, he will leave you to your desires. If you think I'm lying, go read Romans chapter one. But, but God's gonna chase me down. He didn't chase the prodigal down. Yeah, but he leaves the 99 to go after the one. Yeah, but he let Eve bite that apple, didn't he? He let Abraham lie. He let Moses question. He let Jonah run. He let Peter deny. He let Judas betray. I don't want to live a life where I'm putting all of my money on Jesus chasing me down when I'm refusing him. Okay. I've grown to a place of spiritual maturity in my own life where I realize I need to be chasing him down, not the other way around. Too many of us live our Christian lives where we expect Jesus to follow us. We follow him. And if he doesn't say go, you don't go. And if he doesn't say act, you don't act. Jesus, I want you to bless my actions. No. Jesus, I want to be completely in step with your will for my life. Now why is this? It's because sometimes the best thing that could ever happen to you is not in the Father's house, but it's in the pig pen. Or the belly of the well. What are you talking about? Sometimes you have to learn in the pig pen what you refuse to correct in the Father's house. And don't think for one second that Jesus doesn't love you enough to get you in some slop if he knows that it'll get you back to his house. He'll do anything it takes to get you back to his house. Anything. You know what it'll do? He'll slash his son to pieces to get you back to his house. And we're mad at him for not letting us have the one thing that we want here that's temporal, that doesn't even matter. Jesus, forgive us. We got to grow up. We're acting like children so many times. And again, I'm not trying to be too aggressive. But but we've got to change. This is the stage where we overcome. I said that several times. So how do we overcome? My goodness, Tony, you're going to have to preach the second service. How do we overcome? There's a lot to that, but here's the basic, okay? Luke chapter 9. It says this. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. How do I overcome? You die. You die. You kill your flesh. You crucify your wants and desires and allow his wants and desires to live inside of you. I don't mean physically. I don't mean physically. But whenever you have that moment where you know you're about to do something you know you're not supposed to do, you need to have a crucifixion right there in that moment. You know, it's funny, I don't think about wearing a cross like that. But it's like sometimes I wish when I'm about to do something stupid, I would just think about my crucifixion. Because the day I said yes to Jesus, I died. I was crucified with him. The flesh is how evil gets in and the flesh has to die. Dead men can't fall into temptation. Dead men can't fall into temptation. If you will sacrifice your flesh on the cross, you will find life in him and death to sin. That's Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. Lastly, to the children. This is to the spiritually immature. Now, I don't mean that negatively. Immature is not a rude thing to say. It simply means not ripe. In the Bible, it means just not fully developed. Nobody walks up to a fruit tree and starts like freaking trashing the fruit tree because the the fruit ain't ready yet you know you just go "Hmm? oh well it's not ready I'll come back later do y'all do that do y'all like like I saw some blackberries the other day you stupid blackberry bush how come you weren't ready because it was immature okay most Christians are still in the child stage most American Christians for sure Look at this research from Pew. April 23rd of 2018, they said this. When asked a variety of possible attributes of the characteristics of God, U.S. Christians by and large paint a portrait that reflects common Christian teachings about God. For instance, 93% of Christians believe that God loves all people regardless of their faith. Everybody believes that God loves people. But look at this. The percentage of people who believe God as described in the Bible, 18 to 29, only 43% said that was the God. Look at the the numbers. (coughs) We've even had a decline in elderly people who grew up in the church. At the highest, 67 people believe the God that's described in the Bible is actually God. What? Now, why is that? Because the God of the Bible is big and mean and scary. I know we use Noah in the Ark to talk about little kids and all that stuff, but let's not forget he was destroying humanity. Elephants. The Old Testament God was a doozy. Thank God we had Jesus to calm him down in the New Testament, right? I wouldn't want to deal with that, no mean Old Old Testament God. Uh, But he was the same guy. It's just in the Old Testament you saw what he really thought about sin. It's so a lot of times why people tell you to read the book of John first because you need to figure out his love before you dive into that other side. Why is God in the Bible so hard to pallet for so many people? Because that God forces you to deal with your sin and evil and brokenness and your problems and your abhorrent behavior. That's why. <coughs> I just want a Jesus who accepts me for who I am. That's what children say. Jesus loves me. This I know. Y'all know it? Okay, what about this one? Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Okay. Did y'all know it was red, brown, yellow? A lot of people say red and yellow. It's red, brown, yellow. But these are children's songs, aren't they? Raise your hand if you had that in Sunday school. Children's songs, oh yeah. Why these songs? It's because this is the start of your relationship with God. But it cannot stop there. Go back to John 1. I'm writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. See, it's like spiritual high fructose corn syrup, okay? You're forgiven and loved and accepted and the object of his affection. Yeah, to all that, and that never changes. But you have to understand at some point that his kindness has a purpose, Romans 2.4 says His kindness is intended to turn you from sin. It doesn't say love. It doesn't say grace. It doesn't say forgiveness. It doesn't say joy. It says kindness. You know what kindness is in that verse? Kindness is the word usefulness. In fact, the word crestus. That used to be the name of slaves within the Roman Empire because that slave would be useful. and they would. God's kindness is useful in turning you from your sin to Him. The spiritually immature love verses that talk about his love. They love Romans 2 and 4 because they want his kindness. But spiritually mature people read the context. Here it is, Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad. And you have been condemning, you know, and then you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For who? Uh, for you who judge, others do the very same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? But because you're stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you're storing up a terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed and he will judge everyone according to what they've done. Babies don't like that. I want his kindness. Don't come down on me for the stuff that I've been doing but judging other people that are doing the same stuff. Don't talk to me about that, Jesus. I just want the lovey-dovey side of you. But I'm not here to discourage you today. I'm not here to pour salt on your wound or water on your campfire. I'm here to tell you who you're dealing with. This isn't happy pappy sky daddy, okay? This isn't some floating thing in the air that just is alive to make your life better. This is God Almighty. He spoke the universe to existence with His voice. He holds your next breath literally in His hand. He is love and mercy. He has grace. He has peace. But don't think for a moment that you're just going to prance through the lilies like a kid skipping across the meadow and not be expected to change the very nature of who you are to be like him. So good. Tim Ross, he says it so well. The good news is that no matter your situation, Jesus loves you and wants a relationship with you. But if you accept that good news, I got bad news. In the same way he died for you, you have to die for him. If you accept him as Lord and Savior, you have to die to your will, die to your ways, die to your desires, and die to your agenda. Who do we think we're playing with? If you're expecting God to adjust and amend to your view of life and morality, rather than you adjusting and amending to his, then I'm compelled by the Holy Spirit right now to tell you, grow up grow up get spiritually mature you're more than your carnal passions and lusts okay and you know what when we're faced with this our spiritual immaturity should wreck us to the core it should it really should yet so many are so content from mediocre christianity and you know you're in that if you're constantly fighting the same thing over and over again, the same scenarios, the same lusts, the same issues, the same iniquity. I'm not trying to beat up on you, church. I really am not. But I felt so convicted about this that we've got to grow up. I'm imploring you, I'm begging you, go deeper, yeah. develop, mature, dive in. Yeah. Stop being driven by something that was supposed to have died when you said yes to Jesus. So here's my point today. Yes, God is love. And, and yes, that love for you is supposed to make you feel good inside. It's supposed to make you feel good about him. His love for you is supposed to draw you to him and, and you're supposed to get to a place where you realize how much you need him and you embrace him. Yes, all that. But guys, that's just the start of your relationship with Jesus. Too many churches have painted salvation as the end zone. It's the line of scrimmage. Jesus loves you, but he loves you too much to leave you where he found you. And if you are still at the same place that he found you, grow up. Dive in. Be more spiritually mature. Okay, rubber meets the road, Tom. I've given you some scripture, I've given you some theory. I need to give you some practicum now. I need to show you how to do this. What does it look like to be a mature Christian? If I can see it, maybe I can be it. Well, here it is. Here's what mature Christians do. Romans chapter 12, <coughs> 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God for his written vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Just to make it easier, put this graphic on the screen. I don't know if that's too hard to read for you, but if it is, I'll post this on our Facebook family feed. Here's what it says on one side is mature, on the other side is immature. Love genuinely or love conditionally. Abhor evil or flirt with evil. Love one another or love yourself only. Show honor or dishonor serve enthusiastically or be lazy and not serve rejoice in hope or wallow in negativity be patient in trials or complain and try to fix it on your own pray constantly or just pray when you need something contribute to needs or be a hoarder show hospitality or be unwelcoming Bless those who persecute and pray for them or hate and hold grudges against persecutors. Support people in happiness and in sorrow or be compassionless. Live at peace with others or stir pots. Be humble and value everyone or be arrogant and snub those who you think are lesser than you. Repay evil with kindness and forgiveness Or get revenge and justice, overcome evil, or be overcome by evil. The road to growing up spiritually is the path where you starve those things that nurture immaturity and you feed those things that nurture maturity. So, where are you on the road to, on the path to spiritual maturity? Maybe you're a child. Maybe you're a child. You're, you're either new to this thing called Christianity or, or your growth has been stunted. No, whether that's your own fault or by someone else's fault, I, I don't want you to wallow in this notion that, oh, I'm a kid, I'm a child, and, you know, whatever. Now, listen, if you've been living for Jesus for 15 years and you're still on the same stage, come on, let's get this thing moving. That means you're going to need to talk to somebody to help you. Why? Because you obviously haven't been able to do it by yourself. Okay. Let's move forward by addressing the one thing the Holy Spirit is revealing to you right now in this moment. We don't want to fix everything in one fell swoop, and we often can't. But what is that one thing Jesus wants you to change so you can grow to your next level? We're not trying to fix everything. It's like in Rwanda. I can't fix everything, but I can get water to a community. By the way, in 20 days, water will be at that community. So what's the one thing that God's telling you right now that'll take you from child into young man stage? Maybe you are a young man, young woman. Are you fighting the enemy right now to overcome the evil one? The Bible says you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. but That's not all it says. That's the parts we like. But that last part of that verse is, and they loved not their life even unto death. What are you willing to sacrifice on God's altar right now? So you can overcome the evil one in your life. Maybe it's a mindset. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a thought process. Maybe it's a tangible sin. Maybe you overcome by allowing the spirit to put to death that thing in you. So ask God right now to, to give you the wisdom to know what that thing is. And then lastly, are you a father? Are you a mother? If you are, listen to me. You have a God-given responsibility to help take children and young men into father and mother stage. Get to work. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this word. God, I've tried to deliver it in a way that was impactful and beneficial. God, if I've said anything today that the enemy would twist and contort into an offense in the ears of the here today, God, I pray. That, that from the distance of my mouth to their ears, you would correct it. Satan, we resist you. We resist you and how you are keeping your people, uh, keeping God's people from developing and growing. Those who are called by the name of Jesus Christ are to grow into spiritual maturity. And right now, in the name of Jesus, as the spiritual head of this house, who is under Jesus himself, I ask you in the name of Jesus that whatever is blocking their development would go right now in the name of Jesus. That there would be freedom in that spot right now. God, I'm asking that you would help them grow. God, if they need fertilizer, if they need water, if they need better soil packed around them, God, not only give them the wisdom to know, but God, as your church family here, give us wisdom to know how we can help each other become everything you've created us to be. And we thank you for it, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and his people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com slash connect. For more info on freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.